be in Joshua chapter 1 this morning, Joshua chapter 1. Today we are starting a new series that we've titled Abandoned Principles. And we're looking at some areas that uh, today's Christians um, have seemed to have abandoned. And that obviously doesn't go for every person, maybe not even uh, anybody in the building, but uh, nonetheless... That's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. My plan is for this to last out until uh, Brother Flanders is with us in February, but uh, we will see how that goes. And if you are a, a person who is an English uh, uh, professional and you say, wait a second, that doesn't really match up with biblical principle, get over it. Uh, that's, what we're calling, that's what we're calling it and that's what we're doing. And uh, just pretend with me if we need to. Joshua chapter 1. Uh, you, do you remember the song, the B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. We used to sing it in kids' class, and you'd, you'd yell, Bible at the end, hold your Bible up, and, uh, and go from there. The, the, what we're talking about today is the fact that the Bible is the Christian's sole authority. This is a principle that has been abandoned by many uh, throughout time. And in today's uh, societal Christian, if I can use that, that term, uh, many, sadly, have abandoned the fact that the Bible truly is supposed to be our soul, our only authority. And so this morning in Joshua 1, we're going to look at a number of different verses today, but I thought we would start here and see something that was said here in Joshua. So we're going to read uh, a few verses here. To lead up to verse number 8, which is kind of our, our jumping point this morning. But Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse number 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even the children of Israel." Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not uh, any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 8 is kind of the focal point that we're going to use to dive off of this morning. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look at a familiar topic, something we've talked about before, but simply looking at your word. 
the importance of your word and the fact that your word, the Bible, is our authority as Christians. And God, I pray that as we seek revival in our country, Lord, I pray that as we seek revival in our church and in our home, God, that we will remember, that we will come back to the point that your word is our sole authority. And God, I pray today that as I present these verses and these thoughts, that I would do it clearly, and God, that it would be correct. And God, I pray that you would use it to remind us, to challenge us, and to motivate us to follow your word uh, more fully here in the days ahead. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we see, as again, as young children, if you grew up in church like I did, you have been told your entire life the importance of reading the Bible. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 we used to sing. Uh, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. We would sing that verse as well. We would sing the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. And I was told constantly as a young person, constantly as a teenager, and still constantly as an adult, that the Bible is crucial, that it's important, and that I should be daily reading it. I've also been taught, and I'm thankful for it, the ministry that I grew up in at the Bill Rice Ranch and the leadership that was there. We, were, and we would go through classes every summer when the new staff would come in for the camp season. We'd go through what we called philosophy sessions, and they were meant to teach the philosophy of the camping ministry that we served in and understanding why they did what they did, the purposes behind the rules that they had and the methods that they had. And part of that was a reminder and a teaching and a training that we do what we do because the Bible tells us to. That, that the Bible is our authority, that we follow it day in and day out. I've told this story a, a gazillion times. We've named the church Bible Pathway Baptist Church for the purpose of following the Bible's pathway for our church, for what God desires for us to do so. If we're going to live by biblical principles, we have to understand, first of all, that the Bible is our authority, that it is not just a book, it is not just a self-help book, it is not just a great history book, but it is truly a book that is filled with literally God's words. And because of that, it teaches us, it trains us, it guides us to do exactly what God desires for us to do so that we can live, I'll use the words that the Bible uses, a prosperous and successful life. Now, I, you know I do not preach a, a prosperity gospel. I do not preach that, that if you follow God fully, wholly, uh, purely, that you will be rich and wealthy and have no problems. That's not what it means by prosperous. But you will prosper the way that God intends for you to prosper. You will have success scripturally, spiritually, godly success. That's what the Bible tells us, and that's what it says here in Joshua 1, verse number 8. The Bible is our sole authority, and for us to, to claim that, for us to follow that, we must first of all know, number one, the Bible is the literal words of God. The Bible is the literal words of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's an important verse, there's more to it, we'll look at it more in a moment. But it says all scripture, every single word of it is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration that is given to us in the scripture means literally God breathed. 
God spoke the words, God gave the words, and the men whom He chose penned them for us to have for all of eternity. But the the Bible that we have, it is God's Word. And I've said this before, and I want to be careful with this. Because I know men uh, who they they would not claim this to be true, but I know men who idolize the King James Version of the Bible. It has become an idol in their life. And I want to say this very clearly because I believe, and it's in our, our church's bylaws and constitutions, and I believe it with my own conviction that the King James Version of the Bible is, is the, the, the best Bible, it is the Bible for the English language. And we can have a conversation about this some other time. I'm not big on, on I'm not going to argue with you about it, whether you agree with me or not. That's not important. But, but why do we say that? There's so many different reasons. And you go back to the original text. The Bible was originally written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament and, 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 and some Arabic as well. But and, and in that original sense, God inspired and it was given to the men that wrote the Bible. Moses wrote the Pentateuch or penned the Pentateuch. God wrote it. We see all the books that Paul wrote in the New Testament. And we see personalities, right, in the men whom, uh, who God used to write. We see different things about them in it. But the words that are penned for us today were given by God to these men to write down for us. So what we have in front of us is not just a good book. It is literally God's words given to us to use for all of our life. You look at the Old Testament and listen, and, and we could go into hours of this and we won't. But you can look in the Old Testament and you can see things that are written for the Jews, right? And you see that it's penned for the Jews, some of the ceremonial stuff, some of the sacrifices and the things like that that were given to them. And you'll hear people who, who are anti-Bible will argue these, these things and it's just taking things out of context and, and being silly with it. But uh, the fact is, is there are things that are no longer, if I can use the word applicable today to us, that we're not going to do the sacrifices that God had the Jews do in the Old Testament. But there are things from that that we can learn. They are pictures, illustrations, uh, uh, principles from these things that we can still take and learn today. I believe, and you can disagree with me if you want to, but I think it's a sad way to live as a Christian. I believe that all Scripture is profitable, and we'll talk about this in a moment too, but it's profitable to me. I can get something out of every single verse. And listen, I've read it, so I understand. You go to Chronicles and all it is is a list of names. And you see these, these timelines and you see the, the people throughout history and the way that God used them and who they were. And this, this person begat this person and this person begat this person. And we see it in Matthew leading up to the lineage of Christ. And we see all these things and you think, what does it really matter? But I am telling you that I believe Scripture is useful and is applicable to me today no matter when it was penned because it is literally God's Word. 2 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21 say this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God gave the words. The men were just the vessel that God used to pen it for us. You remember the uh, Ten Commandments? Moses standing on the mountain and God writing, carving into the rocks the Ten Commandments. God chose not to do that with Scripture. He chose to have men write it on parchment or on paper and for it to be uh, uh, protected for the rest of time. 
You see, for us to understand that the Bible is our sole authority, we must understand, first of all, that the Bible is God's Word. We use the, the, the terminology, God's Word, as, a, as another term for the Bible, right? You'll hear people say, open God's Word to... Or you'll say, uh, 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 you know, let's, let's get a copy of God's Word, or things like that, and we'll use it in, in the same as we would use the term, the Bible. And so sometimes we forget or at least we don't live like, the Bible is literally God's words. And they are here given to us to learn and to grow from. If we're going to hold on to the principle that the Bible is my sole authority, we must first know that the Bible is the words of God. Number two, we should know that the Bible is truly powerful. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4? Hebrews chapter 4. We want to live... Biblically, We want to do what God desires for us to do. We want to live following biblical principles. But if we don't comprehend what the Bible is, we're going to have a hard time doing that. And in Hebrews chapter 4, we see a familiar verse in verse number 12. The Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible is powerful. Here we see a few different term, terms used in this verse. It is quick. That means it's alive. It's living. It is uh, uh, not dead. It is not powerless because it is alive. The Word of God is alive. It's living. It is powerful. It is mighty. It is strong. It is sharp. It devours. It's piercing. It can slice and divide. You ever seen the infomercials with those knives? And they show you all the things the knife can cut. And when they're showing you the tomato, uh, they use a, uh, a, a, your, your standard knife that you already have in your kitchen. And they go to cut the tomato and they're doing this number with it and it's mushing up. And it's getting all mangled. I've never seen a tomato do that with any knife. But anyways, that's what they show you. And then they take their knife and they go, look at this, and it's whoosh, straight through, slicing, dividing. You see, God's Word is so sharp, it's so piercing, it's so powerful that it slices and can divide perfectly what needs to be divided. It can cut through anything. It can, uh, it can decipher. It can, as it's given here, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. My dad has told me before, he said, uh, he said I, I hate when I come across a verse and I don't know why I read it, because I know that later on today I'm going to need it. He said, I read something and I go, oh no, I'm going to need this today, aren't I? You see, God's Word does that. Many people will tell you about the, if I can use the word coincidence, they read a passage of Scripture and very quickly realized Boy, I really needed that. They'll tell you, I read this this morning. You know what happened later this afternoon? Other people will tell you, I was going through something and I was just reading my Bible and it was kind of a random selection and, and I came across this verse and boy, it's exactly what I needed. You know why? It's because God's Word is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharp. It is piercing. You know, the Bible is powerful enough to change the heart of man. 
in Romans 10 verse 17, John mentioned this verse, John mentioned this verse earlier to me today, but it says, "So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God." Again, I grew up in a ministry that taught me it's not my job to change kids' hearts, it's God's job to do so. It is my job to present Bible truth and allow God to convict hearts and change people, not me. When you're in college, especially when you're in Bible college, you assume that you're the smartest person in the world. You come across someone who is going through a struggle and your first thought is, I can help this person. And they begin to share with you issues going on and you think of your great wisdom. You can help this person out. And then all of a sudden they continue <laughs> with their issues and all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, this person's messed up. <laughs> I've never experienced that before. I have no idea what they're talking about. You see, it's not our job. As a matter of fact, we are not powerful enough to change people. We see this in marriage, right? Uh, either a woman or a man thinks, well, when we get married, they'll change. I'll be able to fix them. And then, 14 years later, She's still just as broken as she was. I mean, he's still just as broken as he was at the beginning. But God's word is powerful enough to change the heart of people. And I say it that way, God's word is, because it is from God. God, obviously, is the one that changes hearts. You know, we look at this world and we go, boy, it's just messed up. Our country is broken. It's wicked. The world is wicked. And we think, well, I can change it. No, you can't. But God's Word can. If we'll draw people to Christ and allow Christ to make the changes, He will. We've mentioned it before, but you know churches. You've seen people who before thought, they see someone, a visitor, walk into the church, and they don't look like them, and they think, well, we've got to change their hair, or we've got to change their dress, or we've got to change their music, or we've got to change their, their habits, or we've got to change whatever. No. It's our job to present God's Word. Nine times out of ten, as a matter of fact, I'll even say ten times out of ten, if a person gets saved, the, the, the things that need to change in their life will change. It may take a little bit of time. I know people who changed like that. I also know people who still struggled and struggled and struggled for years. And we all struggle in, in areas, of course, we're so busy trying to change people that we forget that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is what's powerful. I am powerless. Without God, I am nothing. With God, all things are possible. You see, God's word is powerful. Therefore, it should be my sole authority. It should be what I listen to, the only thing that I follow. The top of my priority list should be God's words the bible is the word of god the bible is powerful number three in order for the bible to be my sole authority i must understand the bible is productive have you ever went through a day or maybe a week and thought boy i have accomplished absolutely nothing <laughs> that's my goal for saturdays by the way to accomplish absolutely nothing my wife doesn't like that but it's it's my goal you see, God's word is productive. 
Back, I mentioned the verse earlier, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You see, God's Word is profitable. It brings profit in doctrine, which is teaching, in reproof, which is convicting. We just, what we just talked about is powerful. can change the heart of man. It is profitable for reproof, for the convicting or the convincing that what I'm doing is wrong and needs to get right. It's profitable for correcting, for restoration, for bringing back to where it's supposed to be, and for instruction in righteousness, for guiding me to live a life that is right in God's eyes. That's what the Bible does. It is profitable. It is productive. It makes change. It makes growth. It gives light. Would you turn with me to Isaiah 55? Isaiah 55. <clears throat> in order for us to comprehend, in order for us to grasp, in order for us to follow the principle that the Bible is my sole authority, I need to understand the Bible is productive. Look in verse number 8. Isaiah 55, starting in verse number 8. For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God here gives us a picture. He starts off by the thought of reminding us simpletons that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His ways are much higher than us. His wisdom is much more than us. His knowledge is, is incomparable to ours in the sense that his, he knows everything and we know very little. Listen, I'm not calling you stupid. What I'm saying is, God knows more than you. What I'm saying is that sometimes what we have planned, God says, that's not the plan I have for you. That's not what I intend for you. My way is better. Listen, we've heard people say that before. No, we need to do it my way. My way is better. God's saying, listen, I know everything. I am capable of anything, of everything. My ways, they're higher than your ways. My thoughts I know the end. I know what happens next. You are just thinking about the now. I'm thinking about what I have for the rest of your life. This is what I intend for you. And then he goes into this, this picture as the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and it does not return. It returns not thither. Right? Rain goes down that doesn't go up. So it's going down, the snow comes down, and it has a purpose, does it not? It says, and it maketh, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. What happens in famine? Crops don't grow. Which means food is not produced. Which means there's, there's problems. So God sends rain to the earth to water the ground so that the seeds bring forth fruit, vegetables, 
and other things that we need in order to live. The rain comes so that the earth will prosper. And God says, just as the rain comes so the earth will prosper, so shall my word be. They go forth out of my mouth. Hey, what do we have here? We have God's words that came out of His mouth. So He says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, empty, without cause, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereto I sent it. You see, God's word is productive. It's given to us to be productive. It's given to us so that we can grow. The Bible talks about the need for newborns to have nutrients, to have milk, so that they can grow. And God says that that is what we need. That's what the Word of God is to us. It is nutrient so that we can grow, so that we can prosper, so that we can become what God desires for us to become. But you see, the Bible is not productive when it is not our sole authority. You have people, for whatever reason, think that if I just throw a Bible verse in there, everything's okay. You've seen it on social media. Person cussing and yelling and angry at everybody, and then all of a sudden the next day they post a verse. And you think, what? You can still see all the profanity that they just posted before. You see pictures get posted and you think, that's really not appropriate. And then you see a verse the next day or the next week on the same page, and you're just thinking, do they not understand that we can still see everything else that's there? You see, the Bible is not productive if it's not our sole authority. I say that the Bible is capable of it. God's Word is capable of it. God is capable of it. But God is not going to bless or use you if it's not your sole authority. You see, we live in a world that we, that we claim to be concerned about. We live in a society that we claim to be so much more wicked than me. Yet oftentimes we are not living as the Bible being our sole authority. We are not living like the Bible is God's words, literally. We are not living like the Bible is powerful and can actually make a difference. We are not living like the Bible is productive and bringing change and bringing growth and bringing strength. It's a principle we've abandoned as Christians. We've gone to the Bible being our sidekick instead of our authority. If you notice, if you, if you like these kinds of things, Robin is a sidekick to Batman. And as much as people like Robin, they don't respect Robin the way they respect Batman. I know this is a silly illustration, I get it. But right, you look at Robin and you think, he's not as cool looking. He's wearing bright colors. And he looks, he's always smaller, weaker, uh, sillier. But Batman, he is the I'm Batman. You fear Batman. Not to compare the Bible to Batman, but it should not be your sidekick. As a matter of fact, it is in Ephesians told to us that it is the sword of the Spirit. 
It is a weapon to be used. It is a weapon to guard and protect us. It is also an offensive weapon to go forth and to fight. And I know I've said this, I believe clearly enough already, but I will say it again. If you're going to fight with politics, you're going to lose. You're not going to change this world. But if you will go and fight with Scripture, if you will take God's Word and let it be productive, you will make a difference. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. You see, God's Word ought to be your sole authority. If you are a Christian, if you are one of God's children, the Bible ought to be your sole authority. When you're setting standards in your home, you should set them based on the Bible. You know what? I say this, and again, I say it carefully, and I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail. We have standards in our home today that are not, do not match up with the standards in the ministry that I grew up with. But we don't base our standards based on that ministry. We base it based on the Bible and what God has told us. And there are times when the Bible will tell you, you need to do this, and it won't tell me that I need to do that. And I mean that, and we're going to get to this in a couple weeks. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be awesome. Not the sermon, the verses. Hopefully the sermon, but definitely the verses. You see, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, we hear the phrase, well, you know, you just interpret it that way, and I interpret it this way. That's, that's kind of baloney, to be honest with you. But there are areas in which the Bible calls them weaker vessels. There is something that is offensive to them. And so they are to follow what God has told them to do. And then there are others who say, God has not told me to do that. And they live with a pure heart and a clear conscience that what they are doing is what God has told them to do. And you know what we should do? We should encourage them in that. Why? Because they're using the Bible as their sole authority. And it gets tricky, and we're going to get a whole sermon planned on it uh, in probably two weeks. But at the end of the day, Forget about what the person behind you or next to you or in front of you does. Make the Bible your sole authority and follow it as God tells you to. And we can do that because it is God's word, because it is powerful, and because it is productive. I don't know about you, with the exception of Saturday, I want to be productive. I can even be productive on Saturdays if I use God's word. Make the Bible your sole authority. That's what it's supposed to be. Don't let anything else, anybody else. Again, we have authority, right? We have our boss, if you work. Uh, We have our wives. I mean, uh, you have your your home structure. I'm joking. I I know some people hate when you joke like that. but You have the authority structure that God's given for your house. You have authority in government. You have authority at work. You have authority different places. But make the Bible your first and sole authority. Because the Bible will tell you how you're supposed to respond to your earthly authorities. So make the Bible your sole authority. For if you're obeying it, 
you'll be doing everything that you're supposed to do. And we can make a difference in the world that we claim to want to make a difference in. But we can't do it without God's word. We can't do it if we do it only with God's word. And we'll talk more about that in the days to come. Lord, we thank you and we love you for all that you do for us. And God, it's amazing that you have prepared us for the world that we live in today simply through your word. There's times where we look and we go, boy, this is the worst time in history. And honestly, we don't know that because there have been many bad times in history. But God, you've prepared us and you've given us what we need to, to live in the day that you've put us in. And you've done it by giving us your word. And God, we, I believe, all would agree that we want to live following godly principles. But God, in order for us to do that, we have to start by accepting your word as our sole authority. And God, I pray that we would understand the power that your word holds. Lord, the, the influence, the impact, the changing that your word can do in the world that we live in. God, I pray that we would, we would cling to that power. God, that we would use that power. And God, I pray that we would understand that with your word we can be productive in this world. God, we can produce fruit from you. God, we can, we can see uh, your word take form, uh, take seed in someone's heart and change them. And God, I pray that we would stop depending on ourselves to be productive, but God, that we would depend solely on you. God, I pray that we would use your word the way you intended for us to. And I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand as the piano plays. I'll be honest, I don't even know what questions to ask for the invitation today, so I'll just leave it at this. If God's spoken to your heart this morning, and there's something that He's spoken to you about, would you just do business with the Lord this morning? Would you just allow Him to make the changes that are necessary in your life so that you can go forward and live the way that God wants you to live? If you'd like to come to the front and pray, you're welcome to. If you'd like to stay at your seat, that's fine. But I'm going to be quiet and let you do business with God as I do business with Him myself.